Hi, on today's episode of Reiki Adventures, I'm joined by Frank Milak, who's the Director of Community Engagement for a company called Memoria. Um, from those that don't know, Memoria is actually a company that deals with cremations and burials. And I think it's important that we all have a conversation about how funerals are talked about or not talked about and to, to learn a little bit more about what's involved. So first of all, hello, Frank, and thank you for coming on today's podcast. Hi, Jenny. Nice to, nice to hear from you. Good that you've come on today's episode. Um, I'm interested in sort of exploring about how um, obviously you work for for a company um, that, that deals with funerals. So some people might perceive that, oh, that's that's your day at work. That's your normal. That's that's what you know. Um, but for a lot of people, they, they maybe only go to a funeral or talk about a funeral or hear about a funeral when they learn that somebody that they know has, has passed away. Um, and I think it's a conversation that, that people need to have. And, and obviously in these global pandemic times when um, people are talking about um, losing a loved one and that, it's it, we can't help but think about our own mortality in all of this as, as well as those around us. Um, so whilst we, we've been in lockdown, obviously people who've had to attend a funeral, it's, it's been a kind of different experience, hasn't it, Frank? Yes, it has. At the early part, um, you know, very quickly when we went into lockdown in the midst of the pandemic, the uh, number of people that could attend a funeral uh, was quickly reduced to 10 to comply with social distancing requirements. And and of course, there is a plethora of uh, issues within that. In the first instance, um, the family are not in a good place anyway. And then uh, the applicant, that's the person within the family who's having to organise that, would undoubtedly have to have some very difficult conversations with close members of family and telling them that they wouldn't be able to attend, um, you know, which creates issues for the individual because that's a really difficult conversation to have. And of course, it creates uh, very difficult situations for those that are unable to attend because they have to try and move forward having suffered loss uh, without having the dignity of uh, attending the final service and sort of trying to glean some sort of closure. So in in lockdown times or ordinary times, when, when somebody passes away and, and obviously the next of kin have been notified in, in whatever way. What is the first step that somebody has to do? If, if it's their job, if you like, to, to be planning the funeral for that individual, what, what's the first step that they take? What do they need to do? Well, in, in normal circumstances, if it's a natural, uh, you know, somebody perhaps dying of natural causes within old age, generally there would have been somebody who's been appointed as power of attorney and generally, it's that, that person who will um, organise the funeral. Um, and, of course, in that situation, which is the normal run of the mill things, it won't have been unexpected to somebody dying of old age, you know, a natural cause of events. That said, um, I don't think that anybody can uh, really understand what it feels like until it actually happens. And even in my own circumstances with my parents, you know, having worked in the industry for five years, I felt that uh, I would know exactly what to expect. But I know when my own mother passed, you know, I, I felt crushed. So although I might have felt before she passed that I was able to handle things and organise things, 
when I actually got the phone call that she'd actually passed away because I wasn't there at the time, um, you know, I, I felt completely deflated and not really able to, um, uh, you know, organise things. So you are you are in a vulnerable position. Now, um, you know, what I, what I would say about uh, uh, at that point, the first thing you would have to do um, pre the COVID situation, which you would have to ring the doctor to come and get the death confirmed as being normal. Um, and then you would, uh, once you've got your doctor's paperwork, you would have to go and register the death. And that would always be done at the town hall. So you would actually have to go there. Now, with the funeral industry, generally, the government very quickly acted and they introduced the emergency legislation, which meant that you could actually get the doctor to confirm the death if it was normal circumstances over the telephone. The doctor's paperwork could be emailed or scanned and emailed. And then you could actually electronically and remotely contact the local authority registrar and get the death registered. So they made it easier with those initial difficult obstacles that you would have to get over to, to go through that process. So if somebody has never thought about their, their own funeral or, or maybe their, their loved ones and somebody has no plans, what what happens well, what they would do then is we're steeped in tradition in the UK and uh, everybody knows or everybody thinks they know that somebody passes away and having got the death uh, confirmed by the doctor, got your paperwork in order and got the death registered, you would then go and see a funeral director and that he would advise you, although arguably some might actually tell you what you should do. But I think what's not clear and I think what, what is coming out within the sort of pandemic situation now having there have been so many deaths in such a short space of time is that um, people have had to turn to the internet being locked down and they've realised that you do have other choices. And I think it's important that people realise you, you do have other choices. In, you know, in the first instance, you don't have to go to a crematorium or cemetery that the funeral director tells you to or advises you to. You know, and I would always suggest to people um, to help yourself actually is Go and have a look at what's locally available to you. So using the Cheshire and North Wales area as an example, you have a choice of about five. And um, I would go and have a look at them and see how you feel as an individual. Um, because if you make the wrong choice and you arrive on the day and it's not what you were expecting, it just adds to the sort of um, the stress and the sadness. And with Memoria, there is an option where people could choose if they wanted to have somebody buried or cremated. Is that right? Yes, not necessarily just with Memoria, but um, you, you you do have that choice. And uh, this do is all, where all I think people, it's... Uh, do all funeral directors offer a choice that you can be... It, you can choose either option? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty much certain that generally um, either the family would have known what their uh, their loved one wanted to be cremated or buried. Um, if, if they didn't, that makes things really difficult. And that, that does bring us on to the whole subject matter of having that sort of what is an open, honest and healthy discussion before these things happen. You know, when, when people are getting old or towards the end of their life, have that discussion. And if they choose uh, to do something, let's say outlandish, like, uh, you know, and I'll give you an example in a moment, um, try and talk them through it and, make them understand that uh, whilst you always want to respect their wishes, 
that it's very important that they also take into account the the uh, you know, the way it impacts on those that are left behind. And that's their own children, brothers, sisters, cousins, you know, their grandchildren possibly, and their friends. Because if you do something that's perhaps not in keeping, it does make it very difficult going forward for those that are left behind. And, and I'll just give you a very quick example there. Uh, you know, a, a, a good friend of mine in the industry, a professional contact, um, he actually said, Frank, I don't want any fuss. You know, I just want you to put me in a carrier bag and throw me over the fence. Um, and, and I asked him about his grandchildren um, and their ages and names, and uh, he couldn't quite understand why I, why I asked him that. But I said to him, well, if they ever come down here and ask me what I did with grand, granddad John, I would be saying to them, that, well, I threw him over the... Uh, I threw him over the fence in a bag, an old Tesco's bag or something. And then he paused and said that, well, basically said that I should lie for him and not tell them that. But I think it's a clear example of where somebody's not really thinking it through and thinking about the impact on everyone around them. Yeah. I, I know I've heard somebody say before now that they always wanted to be buried at sea because their ex-husband had said they'd happily dance on their grave. So you do hear people make throwaway comments about things, but you don't always know what what the plan is and unless you have a, a, an open conversation about this sort of thing. I, I do see from, from people, you know, who've been brought up in other countries that we've got a bit of a, a British reserve about talking about family deaths. Do you agree with that? Yeah, the British has always been a very, very, uh, you know, touchy subject. But I think if they've ever experienced any sort of loss themselves, they should stop for a minute, pause, think about how they felt when they lost their mother, father, or you know, or a close friend, and think about how it made them feel. And then just think through what if that person had said, "Look, I want you to do this for me," and it was something you know, let's say, less than ordinary. Um, it wouldn't be nice. Yeah, and more and more people have more of a interest in things like sustainability and caring for the environment and that kind of thing so if some if some if that's always been somebody's sort of mission and motto in life if you like they they can also express a, a preference for the like the types of co coffin for example that they might use is, is that right yeah, yes. I think, uh, you know, coming up on the rails now in the funeral industry, like most industries, is, uh, you know, what are the green options? What are the right options? You know, will I be damaging the planet? All of these sort of things. And if that's what that person has a strong belief in, then, yeah, I think it's very good to, to talk that through. Um, you know, the, the, the funeral industry in general over the course of a year cremates around about 17 million kilos of coffins. And this in itself uh, projects 1% of the toxic emissions that we see in the, uh, you know, in the atmosphere. And just to put that in perspective, obviously 67% is vehicle fumes and, uh, you know, uh, buses and cars and lorries. So 1%, although low, it's not to be, um, you know, dismissed because the funeral industry, like everybody, has a responsibility. So, you know, in the coming years, they will be looking to... Um, uh, and get rid of things like MDF and processed materials, plastics, things like that. Um, Memoria are at the uh, forefront of this. And in October, in the Oxford area, we're opening up the first crematorium in the UK with an electric cremator, which gives off zero emissions. So I think it's the start of uh, the change that we're going to see in the industry. And people can choose what kind of 
color is that right of a coffin it doesn't have to be your your, your traditional ones that you you so often see that there's a choice of colors is that right yes indeed i've seen coffins of all sorts of shapes and sizes with all sorts of like war heroes having spitfires uh, emblazoned on them and or people that choose flowers or you know something that was uh, uh, important to them in their life and i think when we talk about choices it's um the choices of uh, what people want at a funeral now um are, are, are several really i mean you can you can choose a lovely facility we've all seen that and uh, memoria they're all pretty new but you can also have a, a presentation uh, on the plasma presentation screens a powerpoint presentation cradle to grave photographs the story of that person's life you can choose the color of the mood lighting you could have a projected image of something special or indeed the individual themselves. So you could, um, if people can't attend, and obviously people haven't been able to attend during the COVID situation, but generally sometimes people that are perhaps a little bit older or perhaps infirm that can't get there, you now have the option to stream the service to anywhere in the world straight to a, a you know, technology or a laptop or a phone maybe, and nobody has to miss the service. And all of those options are there, um, and people can still people can still pay their respects, but but virtually from from a distance. If somebody lives overseas or something like that, or like you say, it's difficult for them to travel, but they can they can still take part and pay their respects that way. Yes, they can. Yeah, the technology is there, whereas obviously in the past it it wasn't. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, some some countries do have different sort of traditions and things, don't they? In in comparison to to how how things sort of happen in the UK. So, can you give me some examples of how some of the countries do do deal with a, a death in the in the the village or the town in a different way? Yes, indeed. I mean, um, I guess the easiest way or the abridged version would be to say that in England, it's always been seen as the responsibility of the family to give the deceased, their loved one, uh, a decent final send-off or a dignified service. But if you look at certain other communities, for example, in the Muslim uh, communities, Hindus, Sikhs, um, and even in African communities, it's not the responsibility of the family, it's the responsibility of the community. Um, and, and there are sort of benefits within that because, um, you know, it certainly lessens the financial burden to the, the family concerned, because more often than not, families really struggle to cover the costs of a funeral. But that's not the case in these types of communities where they pull together and help each other. Um, and that said, also, because of that community aspect to this, um, these communities, um, they're more open to talking about death and dying. And they know what's gone on before and they go into a routine and everybody gets a dignified funeral because everybody helps each other. I suppose they, they look at celebrating their life and they're coming together to celebrate that person's life rather than mourning a loss of somebody. Yes, and I think from what I've experienced in my five years in the industry, that's a really, really good thing because celebrating that person's life, getting that end-of-life service right and doing it a nice way like that leaves you with a legacy of happiness rather than um, you know just all about the loss and them not being around anymore. And I think that's a really important thing to have and to hold on to as you try and move forward. And when when somebody has has passed away and, you know, the, the funeral has taken place, does Memoria offer any kind of, I, do, I don't know the right word, like signposting towards bereavement support and things like that? 
It's a very good question, Jenny. Um, I mean, all all of our staff, um, we, we, we recruit and train to a very high standard at Memoria, and most of the staff are very experienced within the industry and would be able to give you good help and advice. In terms of recommending a, a sort of a bereavement service, this is a very, very uh, complex area. Um, uh, and it's if if you talk about the subject matter before it happens, I think again this would be helpful because you can find out what your options are. But rest assured, you know, the, losing somebody close to you, it is a journey, and it only starts at the point that you lose them, and and you will need help and support and comfort, you know, and and people that um, you know are close to you with you as you go along that journey. Yeah, and and people obviously have to find their own way through through grief and and dealing with that, and and obviously people everybody's different and unique and people will react and respond in different ways but I think it's it is good that people do know that there is a lot of a lot nowadays there's a lot more support for people when they have lost a loved one than than there maybe was sort of 30 40 years ago would, would that be fair to say oh I think it would be and I think you should also amongst everything else you should think really um, you know, uh, in depth about the final resting place, what you decide to do, whether that's the person's uh, cremated remains or indeed if you're having a burial, think about that final resting place because as you go forward, you know, on special occasions like Christmas, uh, you know, special events, anniversaries, birthdays and dates that were important to you, having somewhere to go, um, somewhere beautiful, somewhere quiet where you can sit and, and reflect and just have that special time, that is also a very, very important part of the journey. So you, you mentioned briefly um, earlier about people don't always think about the, the cost involved for a funeral. It, it, as we're talking today in 2020, what, what is a sort of typical rough cost for a, for a funeral in the UK? Good question, Jenny. Yes, the indeed the comp- big range, but a, a rough guide. You could be looking between X and Y. How, how much are we talking, Ish? Well, the Competition and Marketing Authority have been looking closely at the funeral industry, and it's perceived that the average cost of a funeral across the UK is around about four thousand two hundred, four thousand three hundred pounds. Um, that's a traditional funeral, um, and um, people um, come across. You know, there's all sorts of real complications here because people are desperate to have a dignified funeral. They don't want to be seen not to be able to afford a funeral for their loved one. And they're not thinking clearly. And many of them do turn to uh, forms of finance that uh, perhaps are avoidable, like, for example, payday loans and that. And, and there's many, many options out there um, that can help you. For example, if your loved one, perhaps at some point in his life or her life, they, they were attached to the military or in public service, it may well be that there's funding available to you from those sources. What I would say to you before you make any quick uh, decisions, if you, if, you, if, you, if you feel you have to borrow, go and have a conversation with somebody from the industry, the experts, not necessarily a funeral director, and find out what the options are, that there are alternatives. Okay. Um, what, what would you do for somebody who has maybe, um, maybe somebody passes away, or, or explain what does happen, sorry, if somebody passes away and they're, they're maybe, you know, they're, they're the only surviving member left of their family and they, they've got no close relatives and you, you talk about the power of attorney and that sort of thing, if, if there's sort of no nobody present to be in that role, who, what, what happens for somebody then? 
So if somebody, for instance, and you do get this, it's a very sad situation. For example, if they were in a care home, they were in their 90s, perhaps they'd lost their husbands many years before or wife many years before, um, perhaps they've never had children, then generally the, the care home will take care of that and everything would be organised for them. Um, if it's somebody who's perhaps living at home still and they have no existing relatives or friends to take care of them, which is very, very rare, then the local authority will take over and they will they will have a dignified sort of service and be buried or cremated. Uh, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that local authorities have a duty of care and that duty of care extends, you know, apart from everything that we see like street lighting and, and the collection of rubbish and so on, it, it is that, that people have a dignified ending and they have a duty of care to provide funeral services for the community. So that's what would happen. And we, we see, uh, obviously, the, there's lots of um, is it cemeteries where there's a, off, very often lots of sort of parkland within the cemeteries and that. And I, I know I've, I've had conversations with you before, Frank, where you say people tend to stay away from them and they, they don't go near them. Is, is that right? Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, um, I, I, I worked in a, a big cemetery in London, which was next to a very busy road, a, a road in and out of London. And uh, I remember having lots and lots of conversations with people that said they'd pass thousands of times but would never go in because of the fear of going into a cemetery or just uh, you know no desire to go in but more often than not especially with modern cemeteries and facilities they're, they're beautifully kept and they are stunning places and uh, and actually well worth a visit so uh, I, I hope that uh, by being more open and doing things like we're talking about here today would make people just a little bit less fearful what i would say if um when people are um you know looking at perhaps elderly relatives do go and visit a cemetery or, or a crematoria because it will take a lot of the pressure off you just to go there walk in and get a feel for the place so that you're not shocked on the day having never been into a similar sort of facility before just it's a bit like familiarizing yourself with the surroundings i guess so that you yeah, know absolutely like where to yeah. park and and that kind of thing and 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 i guess if you're not from a, a certain area and you may be taking people somewhere it, it's just to sort of soften the experience a little bit isn't it so that you, yes yes you're a bit, you've at least sussed the parking for the day if nothing else Yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah. I, I have seen people that have done exactly that. They've come to visit the crematorium or cemetery on the day. They've asked questions and I've said, look, you know, come and have a look around. And these were people that perhaps had somebody uh, who was terminally ill or, you know, was looking towards the end of their life or in some cases where they had actually lost someone but came to have a look at the facility first. And they were when they walked in the door into the chapel and uh, into the facility, they were overcome with emotion and uh, really distraught, which is not surprising, but it's a good thing. So to do that prior to the funeral will make you stronger on the day of the service. Sure. And if um, when, when people talk about, you know, if they want to have an input into to pl planning their funeral, obviously, um, when you mentioned the, the sort of cost of a funeral, um, the, there are like funeral plans that people can take out where they can spread that cost so that it's not something that the, the, the family then suddenly pick up. Is, is that right? Yes, indeed. It's a very uh, it's a busy marketplace for funeral plans, but I think it's a really good thing for people to have a look at that uh, in advance, because for, uh, for the first thing is you're going to um, reduce or 
you know, do away with the burden that you might possibly leave your loved ones in worrying about how they're going to pay for a funeral. And it's not as complicated as you would think. Um, Memoria do a number of uh, funeral plans and they're, they're very, very straightforward. And if you start looking at these things when you're sort of maybe in your late 50s, early 60s, it will be very, very uh, small sums of money involved. You can get a contemporary funeral covered for as little as £9 a month. And once you've paid uh, a year's worth of instalments, you're, you're covered for the full cost of that funeral. And generally, these plans are also capped, so you don't end up paying forever, which some of them you do. And I'll use my, again, I'll use my own parents' example there, where they had a particular plan which they took out in their 50s, and the pair of them ended up paying over £20,000 each into it. It was unnecessary, but they didn't understand what they was buying into. Um, again, if anybody's unsure, there's plenty of advice out there. There's plenty of industry experts. Um, come and have a chat. And you, you mentioned um, when, when people are having, having an input into to choosing how they want their, their, their final day to look, if you like, um, if they, they, you know, expressed a preference in terms of, you know, the, the type of coffin that they might like, obviously, if they want to be cremated or burial, buried and they've made their, their loved ones aware of that. Um, and they can they can have a choice of of like music as well, can't they? Um, and they, it's not that people have to sing traditional hymns. They they can choose other things, can they? Yes, indeed. Yeah. All of Memoria's facilities are non-denominational. So you can choose the colour of the mood lighting in the chapel. You could choose the songs that you want played. You could choose hymns if you want to. And you can choose whether you want choral versions or whether you want um, instrumental versions. I would always suggest to people that they choose choral because, uh, in my experience, uh, very, uh, you know, the lower percentage of people actually sing on the day. So you, you sometimes just end up with music. But, you know, you can choose. You could have... Uh, you know, um, the, the lead singer of Queen, I'm trying to think of his name, Freddie Mercury projected above the catafalque. You could have Elvis or you could have perhaps, uh, you know, Jim Reeves or someone like that. You could, you have a plethora of choices and they're all beautiful. And if you choose these things and it's put together properly and it's delivered uh, with the right quality of customer service, it, it can make it a very memorable occasion and, and make life a little bit easier afterwards. Okay, Frank. Well, I think you've you've painted quite a a good picture there to to sort of explain that there are options for people, and it is a conversation that people should have with with their loved ones and their nearest and dearest whilst whilst they're still here and they're still functioning and they're still compass mentis, so that um when that when that day, even if it's something that they they write down in a piece of paper and shove it in the back of the and forget about it until they need it they've at least approached that subject to know what what could what goes into having to do something like that um so is it is there any other things that maybe people should be aware of if they've got to plan a funeral and they don't always realize is there anything that your, your industry thinks oh i wish people knew that um, well, I don't. I don't think so. I, ju I just think that um, you know, just in general, if people look at the A to Z of what's involved, talk it through, go around, look at all of their options in their locality. You know, within say like five to ten miles of their home, um, and look at what they're going to be left with. Think it through, and and make the right choice. You know, make a, a an informed choice. 
and and sort of sharing that information i guess with with family and and loved ones um and then when when the time comes obviously somebody gets that the power of attorney you called it Yes, the power of attorney. There'll always be somebody, when, especially with elderly relatives, that's in control of these things and can make the right plans and do the right thing and, and discuss it with everybody so you know, there's no, no disagreement. Not always possible. Families can be quite complex, as we all know, but at the end sure. of the day, if you've made an attempt, then that's all you can do. Yeah, and I, th I think that's what this conversation, this podcast episode is about today, is really, is, is hopefully if one person listens to this and they think, do you know what, I've never even thought about any of that, because it's, it's not something that any of us want to really think about, but it is something that, it, you know, we all come into this world the same way and we all go out the same way, that the bit in the middle is up to us, obviously, but we do have to, to, to face this, and, and if you can face it with family while, while you're still here... I think I would imagine that that softens the blow a little bit for them as well. Yes, indeed. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for being a guest on today's podcast, Frank. It's been really helpful talking to you. And I think it's given an insight to, to quite a bit about your industry, which we, we need to get people talking about so that it's it's not such a, a scary conversation when you've got to be a support to somebody who's who's going through it. So thank you for today. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Jenny, and I look forward to hearing it back.